Okay, so let me start here. You are not going to like what I have to say today. Why? Anytime we talk about suffering and God's use of suffering to bring change, transformation, and encouragement, we don't like it. And let me be real honest for those that think this pastor is the most spiritual person in the room. Which you're probably wrong. Maybe. Who knows? Is I don't like it either. I don't like suffering. I don't like pain. I don't like things that don't go the way that I think they should go. But if we ignore it, we ignore a major way God works in us. The struggle, and you're going to hear a word, which might bring you to where I'm going to go today. The struggle and sifting is the fast track to seeing God and experiencing God. That's how it happens. If you, if you read the word, there is no person that we would idolize in the Bible that didn't go through a season of pure, unadulterated hell. You just don't. You don't see people that are left out. And I think if we're not careful, we'll think that when something negative happens or when our life isn't going the way we want it, that God doesn't love us. And I don't believe that that's true. I believe it's very difficult in those moments to feel that. And hopefully today in our text that we're going to go through today, you'll get the idea that God has purpose in what you're going through. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know who this is for today. Uh, but I know that there's lots of people in this room that are struggling silently. That you're hurting silently. That you're broken silently. And you may be wondering internally, why is this happening? And I don't know, I don't, I don't want to even begin to say that I'm going to answer all the questions about why all the things that are happening to you, but I want to give you a seed of faith that God is doing something in you for your good and His glory. And so today we're going to look at an odd conversation in Luke and see one of the ways that God works. I wrote this in here, so I'll go ahead and say it. Are you ready? You ready? You ready? It's going to happen anyway, unless you run out of here right now. <clears throat> so here's my one thing that I want you to hear today. <clears throat> See the sifting for what it is, faith building. I don't think anybody in this room would, would, would not agree with the statement, I would like to have greater faith. Like not many people, if you love Jesus, if you love Jesus and you're in this room, you may not want to do what it takes to get the greater faith, but you want it. And I'm here today to tell you that God is going to use things that you don't want him to use to deepen your relationship with him. And we can either, because it is a choice, surrender and trust him. Or we could get into this little wheel <laughs> of repeating the same folly over and over and over again. Or we can surrender, not surrender and make our life easy, but surrender and trust him and see what he's doing. 
So let's pray. God, we need you. And in the text today, you say that you're praying for your disciples right now. That you actively are praying for those in this room that are struggling, that are, are struggling with their faith. Their faith is, is teetering because of the things that they're going through. And Lord, today I pray that there would be strength in abundance for those that surrender, for those that say, God, I want to see your hand in this. And I want to trust you until I get to the other side. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, it'll be on the board, but if you've got your Bibles with you, you can open up to Luke 22. I I think it's important that you read what's around text. Um, Sometimes we can get a verse or two because really I'm only um, I'm focusing on two verses, verses 31 and 32. But I, I think if we're not careful, you'll you'll miss this thing that goes on before, which is just crazy. So we're going to start in 24. A dispute also arose among them, the disciples, as to which of them was regarded as the greatest. (laughs) Let's just say it. Let's just say it. People are stupid. They're surrounded by the king, the Messiah. They're hearing teachings that no one has ever heard before. They're seeing power that no one's ever seen before. And their question is, who of us is the best? Let me just tell you, and we we talked about this, um, or I talked about this a couple weeks ago with that, that blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, when you're thinking who's the best and you think you're at the top of that list, you're in trouble. As we'll see right here. 25, and he says, and he said to them, (laughs) I love how he just ignores what they said. He said, the kings of the Gentile exercise lordship over them. And those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become the youngest. And in that culture, the youngest is the least of value. I mean, I, just, just how it is. Like the younger, you know, if you have this, uh, you know, priority, who's better? You know, the youngest isn't in that. They're at the bottom of the list. <clears throat> and the leader as one who serves. You may think like, my gosh, what, what is that? What does that look like? Let me just tell you what it looks like. The kingdom of God looks like an upside-down thing compared to our culture and our reasoning. That's why when we read these things, it overwhelms us. The first shall be last. Turn the other cheek. When someone makes you go one mile, go an extra mile. I mean, this is ludicrous. Verse 27. It says, For who is greater... The one who reclines at the table or the one who serves. Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But, but I am among you as one who serves. Jesus is setting the table. Because if we're going to do anything here, we have to look to Jesus to be the author, perfecter of our faith. We have to look to the one. And he's with them. And they're saying, who's the greatest? 
And he tells them this little, basically this little parable, like, hey, you know, it's, it's the opposite of what you think. And his, his exclamation point at the end of that statement is, look at me. Look what I'm doing. I'm the one who serves. And then he says, in, in the um, 28, 29, and 30, probably after they've just been kind of brought down from, hey, who's the greatest? He, he says some pretty astounding statements right here. Verse 28. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials. And I assign to you, as my father assigned to me, a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table and in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. I mean, we're getting ready to get into some verses that are like a punch in the face. And Jesus just tells them, hey guys, hey guys, 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 you're going to eat with me in the kingdom. You're going to be at my table. You're going to sit in judgment over the 12 tribes. These, the, these are the guys that, in, in as much as they're like struggling with who's the greatest, Jesus basically tells them, I'm going to set, you are going to be in this position of power. And then it, then it clicks. So I could, I could have ignored all that and just gone to um, 31 and 32 and, and, you know, talked around it. But I wanted you to understand where he's led them through. He just told them, man, you guys are going to be something amazing. And then in verse 31, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan <clears throat> demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. And, and here at the, the beginning... The first two yous are plural, so he, he's referring to the disciples. Even though he's talking to Simon, and he's going to go singular in just a second when he tells Simon what to do afterwards. But let me, let me just, and I, this is not, uh, there's a Job message out there somewhere in our archives that you can, you can listen more to. So I'm not going to try to explain it to an extent, but I cannot ignore that... <laughs> Jesus just said, Satan asked to sift you. Satan asked permission to do this. And, and if you want a good picture of that, you can go and look at Job, a, a man of God that um, Satan toyed with. But he toyed with with the permission of God, which this is not the message that I'm going to try to bring understanding to all that. But I, but I want to give you enough of my thoughts about it so that I'm just not ignoring it. <clears throat> just like in Job, there is but one ruling power. There's one God. And he rules. And he has given dominion to Satan for a season of time. And that dominion will end. And he will end. And during that... You, you ask questions like this, and I wrote this down. Why would God allow this? It's frustrating. I mean, no one wants Satan messing with you. And let me, let me just tell you, like, and I'll, we'll get here. All of your issues aren't Satan. Okay? Some, some may. 
Some of your issues, and you're not going to like this, are you. Let's just be honest. You don't have to like say anything out loud, but just, just a bit like, I know. But if you are a child of God, here, here's, the, here's the reality. If you're his, he's working in you. He will bring what he started to completion. And that road to completion at times is going to be painful. It is. And I want us to be aware of it so that we can deal with it. So here, let me go back to Satan. So not to oversimplify this, but God allows, uses Satan to bring about his purpose. So Satan has permission to do do anything to the saints, to the children of God. It is only because God wills it and decrees it for his glory and your good. Not to destroy you. Not to do anything. I mean, here, right here, the, the, the central point of what God's trying to work on in Peter and the other disciples and what he's trying to work on in us as he brings us through these things is your faith. Because I don't know if any of you guys have dealt with this, but um, the last 18 months, politically, virally, Everything else, racially, there's so many things going on in our lives, in our world, that it's sometimes very difficult to have faith through it. Because you're like, I don't even know, there's just so much stuff going on. So God allows Satan to do something that... I'm sure Peter would have liked him not to do. And and here's what he says to him after he tells him, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. And I don't know if you know wheat, but, you know, they, 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 I don't know a whole lot about wheat. But there, there's wheat and tares. Like there's, there's stuff that you're going to eat and there's stuff that you're not going to eat. And, and part of what they do is they break those things apart and they get rid of the stuff they're not going to eat and um, keep the seed, the, what they're going to eat, the wheat. And Satan's, demanded to sift him, but he, Satan wanted to sift him to eliminate his faith. Not to get rid of the, like the, uh, the, the, the non-edible stuff. And this is what Jesus says, and I, I think this is where we are going to have to deal with our faith issues. Verse 32. But I have prayed... For you that your faith may not fail. How many of us in our own trials, in our own tribulations, in the things that are going on in your life right now, would like to hear God say, but I'm praying for your faith. Praying for your faith. I'm not eliminating this suffering. I'm not eliminating this trial. I'm not taking this thing away from you. But I'm going to pray for your faith. Because the, the greatest thing that you own is a faith. It's what gives us life. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. We have to have this thing. And so yeah, I want to read two things before we get to the next verse, or the second part of uh, 32. Two verses, well, two sections out of First Peter. This is Peter, the same guy who God just said, hey, Jesus just said, hey, Satan wants to sift you, and I'm going to let him. But I'm praying for you that your faith will be strong. Listen to this. 
And, and you wonder where, why he writes these things down. Because God worked in him. So the first one's in First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 6. It says, In this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So the testing... So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. These things that God's trying to work on in us, God has purpose for them. And then go on to chapter 5 in that same Book, in verse 8, it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful, for your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of trials and sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And I'm... I don't think we understand what's going on in our world. I mean, the believers in Afghanistan are literally struggling for their life. And here we are in a rented public county-owned building preaching the gospel. Our, Our struggle, I'm not diminishing it, is is minor compared to those in our world. And and he, he's saying, hey, like it's across, like there's suffering going on across the world. Verse 10 says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Have suffered a little while. There's a duration. There's a period. Second part of verse 32. After he says to Peter, but I have prayed that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus knows that the denials are coming because it's the next thing that he's going to say. He knows That after Peter's restoration, he will bring strength to his brothers. He will be a figurehead in the church based on the suffering that he went through here. And I don't remember which one of the Gospels, maybe it was Luke, um, where it has the story of his denial. And as he actually denies the third time, they make eye contact And I, I don't know if you know the, how broken it would be that your, your Christ, the Messiah that you declared, that in a group of people that aren't threatening to kill you, but a group of people that are just like, aren't you with him? Weren't you with him? And he denies him three times. Up until the third time, he's like calling down curses. So Jesus knows that this is, the denials are going to happen. He knows the restoration is going to happen. And I believe that Peter wouldn't have been Peter without this. I don't think Peter would have been Peter without the denials and the restoration, without 
the sifting. And let me just tell you, you aren't going to be what God wants you to be. What you desire inwardly, longing to be, without surrendering to the sifting. It just is, you can avoid it, you can run from it, but you will not get where you want by ignoring it. So who has strengthened you? Because this is what happened. So it was, it was plural, plural. Satan wanted to sift all of the disciples. But then the final one, it was singular. He was talking about Peter. But when you turn, strengthen your brothers. Who has strengthened you? There's been so many people at the right moment have spoken life into me, been a Barnabas for me. And some of us are in this room with the measure of faith that we have right now because of others that have encouraged us. And who have you been able to encourage and strengthen after you've traveled through a storm? There is nothing, nothing better than getting a word from someone that has struggled through what you're struggling with. I mean, when you, when you, when you, when you feel not like... Because sometimes we as Christian, we give, you know, we quote famous verses and like, and I love this. I'm a Romans 8.28 guy. You know, all things happen for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I do. But at some point in some people's life, saying that to them in the middle of it is really stupid. It is. But when you've gone through this pain and this suffering and you're on the other side of it and your faith has been strengthened because you have trusted God and you have finally seen on the other side of it what he was doing, what he couldn't have accomplished without it. And then you get to speak into someone else's life because of the trials and tribulations that you have faced. I say this all the time. God doesn't bless you for just you and God doesn't bring you through something for just you. God is a community God. He, he exists in community, the, the, the Trinity. And he created us in his image to exist in community so that in the life of our faith, we get to be the strengthener at times and then the one being strengthened. And it is a journey that you will go up and down. I've not met many people. I've met a few, a few that have just met Jesus, and at least my perspective is that their almost their entire life is like a constant upward trend. There, there are some. So if you're in this room and you're like, I met Jesus, and my life changed, and like, hey, there's no turning back, there's no... But the majority of us in this room, I'm not prophetic, I'm just real. The majority of us in this room exists like this. We met Jesus, and we're like, we love Jesus. Trials and tribulations, oh man, this and you go down, and then you go back up, and then you go down, and then you go back up. And what you'll, what you'll see, if you'll let yourself see this, is that there was people in the valleys that, that pushed you back up the hill. And there were seasons when you were on top of that 
mountain, when you've come through the valley, that you've spoken life into someone else that was in that valley. And that's what happens. Verse 33, it says, And Peter said to him, I love Peter. If you don't know me, I know I've been gone for a while, and I've shaved, and I look thinner than I was before, which I am. Um, some intentional, some not intentional. Um, <clears throat> but Peter, I love, because I can see myself in Peter. Like, when I read Paul, I don't know that I could be Paul. <laughs> I don't know that many people could be Paul. When I read Peter, I'd be like, I could be Peter. Not like be better than Peter or like just like Peter, but like I feel like there's hope for me. And this is Peter. After God tells him, Satan wants to sift you and I'm going to let him do it. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and death. In 34, Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. And this is honestly what I think part of our pain and suffering and, um, and why it's allowed and how God uses it is that we are naturally not humble people. Humility was coming to Peter that night. And that humility was going to wreck him so much so that he preaches a sermon a few days later. And 3,000 people say yes to Jesus. And I honestly don't believe it was that great of a sermon. I'm just, let, me, let me just tell you. Because Paul said the same thing. That I don't want it to be by my words. I want it to be by the power of the living God. I think... Peter had humbled himself so much so that when he was ready to speak truth, God showed up. Because he was humbled and was brought to the place. When you come out of the valley, you know you didn't get yourself out of the valley. You're like, by the grace of God, I am here today living and breathing. And I just want to tell you, by the grace of God, you're right now breathing, living. And as long as you have breath in your lungs, God has purpose for you. Let us be like Job. Job made a statement. I'm going to read one in, the, in ESV and then in the King James, New King James. I like both of them, but I like the New King James, the word he uses, because it's where I want you to think today. So Job lost his family, his wealth, his possessions. He lost everything. And the one thing that you'll get from reading Job is that Job, by God's own admission, was a good man. Which, I don't know that God's having a Job conversation with Satan about us. That we're that. Like, have you, have you considered my subject, Job? He's not like, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm putting us all in the same camp. Okay, so don't be like, that guy's talking down to me. I don't like it. But I don't think the same conversation is happening to Job. And Job struggled. 
through this painfully. It wasn't just like, oh, I take it, I love you, God. I mean, he struggled. He, 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 he had arguments with God, but he said this in Job 13, 15, the first section. Talking about God. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. That's the ESV, which I like. Same, same concept. The New King James says, though he slay me, I uh, uh, yet will I trust him. This is what I want from you today. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know where the struggle is. But are you going to trust him with the middle? Knowing that there's an end on the other side that has purpose for you. And not just you, but for every single other believer that you're going to be able to encourage as you go through this. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Which is what Satan wanted to sift out of Peter. Who is it that has overcome the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I, I think sometimes, um, if we're not careful, we'll give God's promises to everyone. Whether you love God or not, whether you surrender to God or not. And we, we, we tell people that, it's going to be all right, and God has some good plan. And let me just tell you that, that, that this, just like Romans eight twenty eight that I quoted just a second ago, is for those who love Jesus, aren't perfect, because we see that you know God's people that followed Him and they weren't perfect, but they were His. And if you're His, then whatever you're going through, God has purpose for it. And I want to tell you that others in this church are struggling just like you are. Just to make it to the next day, just to make it to the next week. There's, there's, there's things, there's weights on our fellow brothers and sisters in this room that are overwhelming. And we need each other. We need God to work on our faith so that we can help others in the same way. So where are you needing to surrender in your sifting and say, I trust you, Lord? Where is it? See, the beauty of faith in Jesus and trusting in Jesus is that if that's not you right now, you can fix that. And it may be a longer journey. I don't want to ever cheat people of going, just say a prayer. I want you to know who you're following. I want you to know who you're surrendering to because it's not just an ideology that we're surrendering to. We're surrendering to a, a person who's called us to live like him, to surrender to him. And our whole purpose here, it reaches to bring you to a place that you see that, that you surrender to it, and you learn to love Jesus more and more. 
even in your suffering, even in your pain. And I'm sorry that, you know, churches in general, we don't talk about suffering and pain a lot. I'm sorry that, you know, it. a lot of messages, even here, um, seem kind of rose-colored, you know, through these glasses that make everything look better, instead of just being honest. God's with you if you're his child. And if you're not his child, we can fix that. But if you are his child, if you're struggling right now, I just want you to get to this place right here in this moment that you can acknowledge what's going on. Acknowledge the pain that you're going through. And for those that don't feel that they can be honest with God, read the Psalms. Stop reading everything else for just a few days. And for a couple of weeks, just read Psalms. And you'll read David, the guy after God's own heart, do more whining and complaining than anyone else. But almost always at the end of that, he's like, but I trust you, but I love you, but, but I'm your servant. I'm your, like, he'll whine. Let God know. Let it out. If you're suffering and struggling internally with your faith, then tell God about it. He already knows. I mean, he knows what's going on, but there's, there's a power, there's a freedom when we put words to what's going on. So I'm going to invite Megan to come back up, and we're going to sing another song. And I say this almost every Sunday. We never put a song at the end of our service to keep you here a little bit longer. Um, we put intentionally a song at the end of our service so that if God is doing something right now, I've learned the best time to, to work off of God's conviction is as it's happening. And so if God's stirring something in you, if there's, if there's a, a fear, if there's an anxiety, if there's a overwhelmed by the things that are going on in your life, just be honest. Be honest. While this song is going on and just say, God, I'm struggling, I'm angry, I, I don't like that this is going on, but I trust you because I'm your child. And your word is truth to me. And, and, and what we're going to do next week, I'm just going to pre-warn you. Your identity matters. And if, if you're speaking the wrong identity, other than being a child of God, um, you're living under something that's going to take life, not give life. And next week, my whole message is going to be about what it means to have our identity in Jesus. So I'm going to pray. Um, we're going to sing and worship. Um, if you need prayer, um, if you need to have a conversation, just linger. Find somebody that looks wise and mature and just say, hey. And if they're not that person, they'll, they'll find you the right person. Um, but we're here for you. Let's pray. Jesus, our pain and our suffering has purpose as we surrender to you. And we're those in this room that are hurting. And there's so much more pain going on than anyone is aware. Their husband, their family members. Lord, you are the comforter. You're the peace giver. And as we, we sing this song, as we release and surrender and, and, and say, Lord... Though you slay me, I trust you. 
I pray that there would be in us a stirring of a faith that builds. A faith that gives life. And Lord, I pray that we would be people that in our season would speak words of life to others as we've gone through those trials and tribulations. I pray that you would use us as your voice, as your hands, as your measure of loving your children. So Lord, thank you that you count us worthy to test, grow our faith. And we love you this morning. We love you. We need you. I need you, Jesus. Fill us this morning with your spirit and your peace. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.